want to turn in the in your Bibles, if you do that, I put stuff up on screen, so that's there as well. We're going to be um, Philippians 2, verse 25. Last week I told you about a, a place we went and visited um, while we were away, and, and just, just to give some context to it, which has nothing to do with my message today, um, this is just some of the play equipment, which I was really enamored with. Someone's decided to make a six-meter-high swing and stick suspension at the bottom, and realistically, this thing acts like a trebuchet. You stick someone on it, you pull it back, and you, you release it forward, and it just flings the kid. It is really amazing, um, some of this play equipment. That metal slide is one of the freakiest things I've ever stood at the top of. Um, what's even freakier is when you see this fella here sitting at the top of it with his se- seven-year-old cousin, eight-year-old cousin, eight-year-old cousin who is um, not as tall as Josiah, but a, a fair bit less, um, sitting at the top of that slide ready to come down together. And, and I felt like I was going to fall off it. And so that was um, one of those fun parenting emotions. This, this is one of the most fun contraptions I've ever been on. It, it is absolutely ballistic um, when it gets going. And that guy's not going anywhere near as fast as I got going with my nephews. And um, actually, I was talking to the guy who made it all and... And one of the people want him to stick a gate in it because you've got to climb up and over it. So you're sort of leaning back up and over it to get in this thing. These guys are going, yeah, I want to go. Jono, were you there, man? Like looking at your wrist? Is that where you... Um... <laughs> but he's like, no way, because that's when people will get injured because it won't get shut properly and they'll fly out of there. And I was telling you about this little roller coaster thing. This is what it actually looks like when you're sitting in it. Um, so you're sitting on this little metal sled... And that looks a lot smoother than it feels. <laughs> and they're going nowhere as quick as we were going after the rain. <laughs> yeah, it's great. But I got the thing jammed. Not while it was moving. I, well, we are getting off and I got the thing jammed. So I'm worried if like, we got up to the top and got the thing stuck and then all oh, momentum took us somewhere. And, the, and, and, and so I just wanted to share our adventures because I was quite enamored by that. And um, excited by it. And uh, so if you want to have some fun, that's down at Tinga in New South Wales near Inverell. Um, and Pastor Bruce sounds excited that he just wants to be there. And, and <laughs> well, it was, they stopped production of those things in 1986 because that's when the legislation seems to have changed. But because it was created beforehand, you can get away with it. And, and, and so there's that, and there's some place over in Western Australia which has the same sort of stuff. And so it's a whole bunch of fun, and that's got absolutely nothing to do with what I was telling you about today. So but I just wanted to share my holiday, you know, show and tell time. You, you do this in school, and so we can do this on a Sunday as well. Oh, Philippians 2.25. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him and not only on him, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad. And I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him. Because he almost died for the work of Christ, he risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Now, sometimes we have sort of favorite characters.
characters um, in Scripture and in the Bible. Like, we've got a couple of main characters in the New Testament. Jesus and Paul are pretty much the, the main players through that. And then you've got Peter, James, and John through there as well. But th- this guy is one of, my, one of my favorite guys, I think, Epaphroditus. Um, he doesn't cop much in Scripture, but he gets a couple of verses there. And, and he's, a, he's a very good guy. I mean, Paul... We know Paul's in prison when he's writing this letter, and he's, he's, not, he's struggling. And the Philippians are longing for him and worried about him. And, and so they can't just Skype or, or, or call in or chat or something like that. And in fact, their postal system's pretty horrible. Like a delivery I tried to get. Actually, while we're away, I get this message through on my phone going, please provide us with the delivery address. I get most of my stuff delivered straight to, a, um, to the post office. And so some courier was bringing me something. So I emailed them off my delivery address. And then last week when I get back, I decided to check on it and find out that the, the delivery has been returned to Sydney now um, because they didn't get my message apparently, even though I'd sent it and had a thing and there was nothing I could do about it. And all. So I, I can understand why the Philippians felt the need to actually send someone to check on how Paul was going. I, I sometimes feel the same thing with our delivery system, that I need to send someone to actually bring the thing that I trust rather than couriers in some instances. But, so they've sent Epaphroditus off. And we know Epaphroditus is someone that Paul considers highly and thinks well of. Paul values him because he says he's concerned for the Philippians. And just before this, he's talking up Timothy and in and, and Paul's leadership emporium and all his development, he looks for one thing above all else. and Because he, he speaks of Timothy a bit earlier on about he is greatly concerned for you. And that's the thing he honors to them and says to them. He's got genuine concern. He's the sort of person that when you speak to him, you know he's listening. And when he walks off after that, you know he's actually going to still think about you and not go off and think about what he's doing today or his shopping list or his, or his to-do list and things like that. And so we know Paul thinks extremely highly of him. But so much more than a messenger, he gets these these adjectives about him, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier. Tell them when we're introducing people, generally we, we introduce people in how they relate to us. This is my cousin, this is my, the person I work with, this is my son, this is my friend, this is some, some aspect of relationship. But I can't think of anyone that I've actually used three different relationships to describe him when I've ever done introductions. Actually, in fact, I can't remember anyone introducing someone to me. Oh, hang on, this is the person that I work with and we serve with, but they're also my brother and my hairdresser. And also on every second Thursday, we play Scrabble together as well. Oh, and um, this is the person when I'm sick, I'll message for... that. We, we don't usually get the laundry list of, of who someone is when we're talking, but Paul, when he's talking back to the Philippians about who Epaphroditus is, and they know him. He was one of their own people, and he sent them to him. And he lists off these things. My brother, my co-worker, my fellow soldier. And so here's three things that, that are in us that really describe how we relate to each other. Paul's looked at him and goes, there is something of the kingdom of God deep inside this person, something I value and something that is absolutely extraordinary because he's fulfilling every aspect of the kingdom relationship that I need right now. He's fulfilling every encounter and everything that we need to be of heaven and be of Jesus. First and foremost, he's a brother. First and foremost, he is 
a brother. And we know the way we relate to each other is family. Jesus is sitting around and told that his mum and brothers are outside looking for him. And he talks to them and says, well, who are my mother and, and who are my brothers? He pointed to the disciples. Here's my mother and brothers. But whoever does the will of the Father is my brother, sister, and mother. The primary relationship we share with each other is family. In this place, one of the things we, we value deeply is family. It's in our name. Sometimes we do that extremely well. Sometimes we don't. It's like normal families. Sometimes that goes extremely well. Sometimes it, it doesn't. But we're relational. The person sitting beside you, they're related to you. They mightn't look like you. You didn't actually choose them in most of the instances. But all around you, this is family. I, I have the privilege in, in my extended family. I showed you some pictures. I'm the crazy uncle. It is so much fun. I love getting get to be the crazy uncle because I'm the one that jumps on that roundabout thing and spins around with the nephews and they're like, Uncle Scott, Uncle Scott, will you come on this ride with us? Will you do this with us? I'm like, yes, I will. So I get to be the, the absolute crazy uncle in places and you already knew I'd be that anyway. Boy. <laughs> but we relate with each other and we're family, which means there's this care and this aspect. That is the base relationship which we share and Paul had that heart connection with Epaphrodites. Now, Beyond that, we work together. In the kingdom, we're family because we need care with each other, but we also work together. The one who plants, the one who waters, have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. We work together. There are tasks that we need to do for the kingdom of heaven. There are things that need to be done. There are seeds that need to be planted, seeds that need to be watered. There is a whole bunch of resource that God's given us that we need to maintain. We have a whole bunch of stuff that we maintain around here and, and, and we look after. And we work together on that. And, and sometimes those things, the family relationship doesn't cover. Whereas the family relationship cares. Those things, well, there's tasks to be done and we need to do those tasks. And so in ways we relate as co-workers within that. Then we're also soldiers together. There is a cause that we have. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier for Christ Jesus. And no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs but tries to please his commanding officer. I actually grew up in the Salvation, in the Salvation Army, so I understand this. The whole thing of that, there is an army. We have a purpose of God together and there is a call on that there is a sacrifice that we need to give for that Paul lists off Epaphrodites well he, he made huge sacrifices to come got ill almost died gave up so much to actually make that journey so that Paul could be encouraged and they could be encouraged now we have a cause together and sometimes that costs that costs us our time it costs us our energy it costs us um, being friends sometimes with those that we want to relate to it, co it costs us in so many different ways now, these things are absolutely vital because we relate to each other in all these things. Hello, brother, sister. Hello, co-worker. Hello, fellow soldier. Now, this is where sometimes we get in trouble as well. And especially when, when leaders relate and relating with leadership, we get in trouble sometimes. Because sometimes someone might be coming in and absolutely hurting and just needing their brother or sister to put an arm around them. 
but we have co-workers as well. And so anyone that's ever been in leadership or dealt with leadership knows sometimes the hats don't line up. You might be wearing the family hat and all of a sudden the worker hat is being worn by the other person and so the conversation misses. Oh, we need to get these chairs lined up. Come on, just do the job, get, get this all done. And so sometimes we, we miss each other on those things. Sometimes it's like, this is the cause. Come on, we need to get up at 5 a.m. this week and we need to pray every day so that we can just break ground for the kingdom of God. And it's like, no, I just, I just need to just be loved right now. I, I'm, I'm hurting and broken inside. You might be, I just need to be inspired for the kingdom. Come on, what's going on in your life? Let me love you. No, send me out. I just want to break ground for the kingdom of God. And, and we, but sometimes we need to just be as brothers and sisters and co-workers and soldiers, we just need to be open with each other and share with each other about where we're at and what hat we need to be wearing at, at different times. I've tried to do this a bit more um, in, in dealing with people and talking with people. And go, right now, I need to talk to you as, as sort of the, the boss or the, the captain in that, or I'll talk to you as, as father or brother within those things. And we need to chat with each other in these different things. But I think this is a great model that shows us how we relate in the different aspects that we come together within that and changing all our hats. And Paul goes on and speaks about Epaphrodites and he's sending him back and he says, when he gets there, honor him. Honor him. Why? I mean, Epaphrodites is someone he valued. We can see that. He's someone who gave up a lot. But he's writing to the Philippians and in Paul's writings, you see his heart for the people he's writing to and his desire for the people he's connecting with and, and ministering to. And I don't think it was just for Epaphrodite's sake that he was saying honor. I think it was for the Philippians' sake that he was saying to do this because honor carries the currency of blessing. When we honor, it carries the currency of blessing. But this strange verse in Mark 6, where it's, it's talking about he, Jesus, could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few people and heal them. Jesus couldn't do any miracles there except lay hands on a few people. Anyone else find that a bit strange? We think when Jesus rocks up, there is a Holy Ghost party going on right there. It is just on for young and old. It doesn't matter what's going on. Any sick person walks past and catches his shadow. Boom, they're healed. Any demon in the place begins to shriek and runs out. Any need and lack in the place, well, it's gone just because all Jesus has to do is just rock up. And it's all sorted. We, we, I mean, we, we think that's, that's, that's Jesus. He just has to rock up. A bit like the New Zealand rugby team. All they have to do is rock up. which it has been for so long. And, and we know this is a weekend of miracles for anyone that, that follows that sport. In there, if you didn't catch up, the Wallabies, who are about 50 and 0, beat New Zealand last night. And, uh, so we think Jesus just has to rock up. This is the best ever Sunday that could ever be. Imagine Jesus coming to the pulpit. And that's what's happened here. Jesus has come to town. He's come to preach. He's come to church. And yet it said he couldn't, do anything let's get context to it jesus left there um there was a place where jairus's daughter was dead and he went and called her back to life that's a significant serious ministry achievement 
That is a huge story. So here is the anointed preacher coming to town who yesterday raised a girl to life. Comes to town, comes to preach. He went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples and when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many heard him initially were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What is the wisdom that's been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Hang on. Isn't this that carpenter? Hang on. That's Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. His sisters are here, and they took offense at him. And Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own town, among his relatives in his own town. And he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. This is the same place that he began his ministry. He got up, picked up the the reading for the day, opened the scroll of Isaiah and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, uh, freedom for the captives and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, sat down and then got up. Oh yeah, by the way, guys, this is fulfilled today. I'm here. And um, everyone just stood up and applauded and go, yes, the Messiah is here. This is absolutely wonderful. As they marched him out and tried to throw him off a cliff. I'm so thankful you guys haven't done that to me yet. You haven't tried to march me up on the roof and throw me off there. Thank you so much. Um, Talk about a way to end church. (laughs) Permanently. But... And then we know Jesus just passed through them. It's one of those great things. I mean, there are, I, I just want that spiritual gift sometimes to pass through the crowds. We went shopping down the Hyperdome yesterday. I just want that miracle just to pass through. Yeah, Christmas is coming, and we know what crowd. Yeah, we just want that miracle. And, and so this is a place there, and we see all of a sudden Jesus who carries the fullness of anointing and understands how to release the fullness and anointing, is hindered in what heaven can do. Why? Because of lack of honor. Because he isn't honored in that place. There isn't esteem given to him there. Honor is this word that, that means to make heavy, to give weight to. It, it, honor is given in our, in our words, it's, it's given in our actions, it's given in our thoughts, but it begins in our heart, where we make a decision to make something have deep, deep, deep meaning and deep, deep, deep value and, and value above all else and value beyond anything else and value that's, that's above and before. And, and we, we saw another example of this where Jesus was in a house and, and he was doing a church leadership conference and he'd gathered the local pastors in and it said the house was full of Pharisees and the anointing of the Lord was there to heal. Now we know any time when people are gathered in a room, there's a number of people who are sick. There's always, always people in a room that, that are sick and need some sort of healing. It's just statistic probability that's just going to happen and so in this gathering and we know it was a decent gathering because the house was full and it said there was no room in the house so they stood outside and were peering through the windows and looking through and so uh, i don't know if there was real they didn't have tvs and telecast into the overflow rooms uh, of this thing so somehow they were doing it in there and, and so we know it was a significant gathering and yet 
there would have been at least one of those church leaders that was ill that day, and yet none of them were healed. But the Bible specifically says that the anointing of the Lord was there to heal. The person who was healed was four mates heard about this conference and went, well, we're not church leaders today, but we're going anyway. And they picked up their friend who couldn't walk, somehow picked him up on a mat and went, oh, we can't even get through the front door. We locked ourselves out of our house the other day and uh, one of those things where the children decide that it's a fun time to pull the keys apart. I'm amazed how quick it is to get in the house. It is absolutely amazing. Praise God we've got friends who, who had our key and let us in. But recently, one of the other times, we didn't have a key or anyone that had a key. It took me two minutes to climb on my roof and get in through my ceiling into my house. It is amazingly fast how to do that. But that was me getting up on my roof, climbing on my fence and over on my roof and in through the, the ceiling space and cavity. And, and um, deadbolts are amazing prevention of getting people in, aren't they? Sorry if I've scared you and worried you about your home security there. Um, wasn't my intention. But I can't imagine what that would be like doing that with some dude on a carpet who can't walk. Like, just climb the ladder, man. Uh, I can't. Okay. And so somehow four of you have to lift this guy up on the roof and then they open the roof up and, and then lowered him down in there. And Jesus looks at him and, and doesn't say anything other than, hey, guess what? I forgive you, my son. Your sins are forgiven. And right at that moment, what a way to turn the tide in a pastor's conference. How can he do that? How dare he do And they just went nuts and started. Actually, they didn't say anything. There was nothing spoken at that moment. Except Jesus looks around and the Bible says that he knew the thoughts of their heart. And he looked at them and said, well, just to show you that I can do this, get up and walk. And the guy got up, picked his mat up and must have parted the crowd like Jesus did at the top of the cliff and walked out of there, in there. But not another miracle was released that day. Why? Because in their hearts, there was no honor that was paid to Jesus. They looked at him and Jesus actually said these words in Matthew, in your hearts is evil. What's going on in your heart right now is evil because you're not honoring and valuing the presence of God and the person of God who is actually here. Jesus in another point said, he who honors me honors the Father. Honor is the currency of blessing that comes in. You've got this situation going on in Samuel where, where a prophet's come to Eli and declaring to him about his house. And he said, the members of your family, I promise they will minister before me, but now the Lord declares, far better from me. Those who honor me, I will honor and he started outlining a kingdom practice here. Those who honor me, I will honor. Those who deep in their heart value God and value heaven. Guess what? There is a release of that from heaven. So what's that look like? Because God's thoughts are always towards you. God's heartbeat is always towards you. But honor is something in the heart that is outplayed in the hands and the actions and the words. God's heart is always towards us, but sometimes because those who despise, those who honor me little, or those who think lowly of me will be disdained, or I will resist, or I will not honor. 
So when we don't think highly of God, when we don't place emphasis on who He is and value who He is, we're missing out on what He's got. We're missing out on what heaven wants to release in our lives. You know, every time we gather, every time we're here, you want something from heaven. Every time you gather here, there is something that you desire from heaven. Some of you this morning have walked in desperately craving for an answer and something of heaven to come into your lives and something of the kingdom of God to come into your life. Some of you have got up and gone through the motions and yet the very fact that you're here, some part of you, desires deeply for that to come in of heaven. What's this look like? There was a centurion that was walking around. Well, not probably walking around, but he'd heard about Jesus and his daughter got sick. And so he came to Jesus and said, I need you to heal. I need the healing for my daughter. I need her to get well. And Jesus said, that's it, we're going. Let's, let's go, let's stop what we're doing. Let's stop church, we're going to this man's house. And the centurion looked at him and go, no, don't come. I don't need you to come. I just need you to declare it and to speak it and my daughter will get well. What was Jesus' response? I haven't found faith like this in all of Israel. No one has honored me like this man honors me because he understands the authority in which I walk. And right now he's honoring me and honoring heaven. Go, it's been done for you. And at that very hour, his daughter became well. When you've come in, some of you have come this morning absolutely honoring God. You've given your time, you've given your energy, you've given your attention and focus into who he is through your worship and through your words. And already today, the encounter's happening. Already it's there, set up for you. Already the reward is being poured out. You know, sometimes in church when you you go and you you walk out, man, that was a great service, and, and someone else is going, what were you talking about? And you can be sitting next to someone and they're just receiving heaven and you're just sitting there going, where am I like, is there something wrong with me today? Or you might just be receiving heaven, you're looking around, you're going, man. I remember Doug Fields, um, Saddleback's youth pastor, telling a story one time of, they were doing youth and he'd organized for this um, guest worship leader to come in. And so they started the service and, and this worship leader comes in and hops up and a really well-known worship leader and really good. He gets up, plays the first song. And then something got out of joint and, and must have got some ants crawling up on stage or something. He's like, he threw his guitar down and that's it, I'm out of here. And he took off. He's like, okay, okay, that's okay. So moves on, moves the service on, gets up and starts to share the message of what God's given. And then some kid sitting right smack bang in the middle. Oh, he'd had too many baked beans for breakfast. And right in the middle of the youth service, he just lets it rip right there. And um, you imagine a room full of teenagers when that happens through there. I know what adults are like when it happens. It's fun when it happens with a room full of teenagers. And and the place just loses it and and melts down. And he's just like, man, I just got to get home today. And so he just goes through some things, shuts the service down and, and starts getting out of there. And then this young girl comes up to him after the service and goes, Pastor Doug, Pastor Doug, Pastor Doug. He's like, yeah. Tears streaming down her face. Boy, oh, presence of God today was just amazing. God just really ministered and touched my heart. Like, there was a presence of something in there, girl, but I don't know. <laughs> and she'd come and she'd paid honor to heaven. And she'd paid honor to God. And in her heart, she'd set herself in line to grab something. What's your expectation? What's your expectation when we come and, and, and when we're here? I just um, 
grab one more thought and we'll, we'll talk more on this next week because it's, it's one thing to honor heaven, but there's also another place to honor. I tell you, you will not see me again. Jesus is crying over Jerusalem at this point. He says, until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You won't perceive me. You won't receive me. You won't gain anything of who I am until you say, blessed or honored is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. I remember um, years ago, we were doing a young adults camp up the coast, and on the way, we there's a, a speaker I value greatly that was coming up to um, speaking at, at Sunny Coast. And so we did the Friday night up through there and stopped on the way through um, with, the, with the evening and started our camp with the rally that was going on there. And in, in my heart, I valued this man so much. I valued the teaching that was on him. I valued what was going on. I valued heaven. I just knew something of heaven would happen. And I remember walking in there and, and being in there and being in worship and and, and hanging off everything that was said and just paying full attention to everything that I was doing. And then at the end, it was like, who's filling the Holy Spirit on you? And I just stood up in that. And I've never encountered the Holy Spirit in such a powerful way. Um, for the next 30 hours, I was shaking physically in my body. I remember the service closed down and, and I'm still out there on the altar just, just crying and, and shaking under the power of God. And, and I remember the Elvery boys coming and picking me up and going, oh, it's time to go and, and sticking me in the back of the car. And by that time, we're hungry. And, and so we're heading off to Domino's somewhere to try and find a pizza place because that's all that was open. And I'm sitting in the back of this car, absolutely just out of it in the Holy Spirit and thinking, this is the best ride ever, just going around corners, just laughing. We're camping that night, actually. Um, Josh, I was in a tent with your brother um, that night there. And, and we get up for next morning. He's like, dude! I got no sleep because you were just shaking all night and you just wouldn't stop just, just moving. I just wanted to get some sleep. But, uh, but there was something that was paid there deep within my heart. You know, this morning as we've come, some of you here have come and desperate for something of heaven. Let's spend some time. I in worship. It was given. I heard it being given, this honor to Jesus. Jesus said, he who honors me honors the Father. So come on, let's just stand. Let's stand in this place and maybe you're here and you've come this morning and needing, needing that relationship of family to come and join faith with you because you just need an outcome of heaven today. You need something of heaven to come into your world and to come into your heart, something of the kingdom of heaven, something of Jesus, something of the Holy Spirit to minister deeply in that. You know, as we begin to worship, I just invite you, come out the front. I just want to join with you in faith for that. Come out the front and honor God. Lift your hands. Kneel, whatever you need to do to pay him honor and give him weight this morning. To give him that importance deep in your heart. Let the currency of heaven, the currency of blessing flow from within you this morning. Maybe you're here and you just need to present yourself and get your life and your heartbeat just on track with him again. You've come in and it's just been, oh, I've just been walking and feel alone, just feel abandoned by, I, and I haven't been lined up with where God wants me to be. And you just need to present 
yourself again. Do that. The altar's here for that this morning. No disdain. The Lord honors those who honor him, and he wants to honor you this morning with his presence and with his anointing and with his answers and with his direction. Maybe you're a soldier this morning who's just needing to be pointed in the right way. It's time to just come and honor and pay him his dues. But just as we worship, I just invite you to come and just pay him honor and join with you in faith, seeing heaven released over you. Amen.